podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. It's PB and Pet again. And I've stuck with the yes, yes, yes. Because it's not the dark days yet, Pat. We're top of the league still. And there's plenty of positives from the game, which we'll get into. But Arsenal did, of course, lose their 100% record yesterday against Manchester United and lost the game 3-1. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of it, Pat. But how are you feeling this morning? I know you've uh, had a troubled night. Is that affected <laughs> by the refereeing and counter-attacks in your uh, nightmares? Yeah, they were in my nightmares. I was just saying off air that I didn't have the best night's sleep so if I'm off form today that's why but no I just um it's hard to put my finger on it I at 1-1 I was never so sh- I was I was really sure we'd go on and win that game because they looked really on the ropes but sometimes this is what football is like and I, I think we said didn't we Ollie, in pre-season there were going to be loads of games where our centre-backs look exposed and loads of games where we get hit on the break and loads of games where maybe we have to pick up yellow cards and red cards on, on the break because we play so high and we're so dominant in possession. So I guess at least we were right about that. <laughs> yeah, not something we want to be right about. But let's go through it bit by bit um, because a lot's been made about how well we sort of did with the general play. But before the, the Martinelli incident, that first 10, 15 minutes wasn't particularly good, was it, Pat? They... Um, they were the team to bring the intensity and did actually control that game for the first 10 minutes or so. And I know they're the home team, but Arsenal did look a little bit affected by the occasion in those first 10 minutes. Um, and it took an, an event to sort of change that. Um, and I'll get your thoughts on the event. I don't want to talk, spend too much time talking about the referee, because if you want referee slander, head to my Twitter, because... I kind of lost or my pretty head. much head to literally any football account at the moment on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's what's just a real shame is for me, the game's been played. It looked like it could be a foul. The ref's looking straight at it. The game plays on. Fantastic through ball from Saka. Oh, it's an unbelievable ball, by the way. Like on another day, we're walking away from him getting a goal and assist. <laughs> at Old Perfect. Trafford in a win yeah. and I was saying to her three friends if like Odegaard plays that ball we're like wow that's amazing um, I also think if this goal stands and we go ahead there's opportunities like that throughout the game you know a oh, bit like I, what I United has like with. two three or four nil if we go one nil up I genuinely do because the, the way United play I know you mentioned those first 15 minutes but actually I still felt we were quite comfortable in, in that kind of deep four four two block or, or mid-block, whatever the tacticos call it, um, we looked fairly... Com- they had that Ericsson chance, which was from like just an, you know any old cross. They had that Sancho shot where he cuts in and decent save by Ramsdale. They didn't really have anything. Um, and as soon as we just made a few adjustments and started keeping possession, we just dominated the game. But actually... I, I do feel if we'd scored that first goal and then took the sting out of the game, I think they were there to be hit for two, three or four because I really do think this is a bad United team, like a really bad one. And if you look at the underlyings from every game that they've played, the way that they're playing is is so unsustainable. It's very much like... 
I don't even know what to, I don't even know what to call it. It's just like proper transition football, no control on the ball at all. You see how flimsy they look at the back with little Sandro and Malassia, who's somehow even smaller than Lissandro Martinez. Mm. Um, they look so vulnerable. Even I know we didn't create a lot of chances, but it looked like we could at any time. And I'm not really worried about them being anywhere near us um, or actually near the top four this season, which is maybe. But I but one thing I will say is their style of football in a similar vein to Palace and Spurs, I think is going to take a lot of points off the top four or mm. top five. Mm. Um, they've already beaten Liverpool with that exact same style of football it's going to be battle of the transition monsters against Spurs, but I wouldn't be surprised like if they went and beat city at the Etihad, right. When they play them in a few, in in two or three game weeks. So yeah, I'm, I'm not so annoyed. Like I, you know, they have three shots on target and three goals or four shots on target, three goals, whatever it was, four, five or six. I, yeah, I think overall it was really, really positive, but, um, I guess just just to talk about that first instant, though. Yeah, I was going to say, there's Pet's full game analysis. Sorry, um, when sorry. asked about the first, the first, <laughs> the first analysis, the first, the first instant, I knew it was going to get chalked off like as soon as the instant happened. Like well, that's what I was going to say when Saka put the ball through, and he's running through Martinez scores. You're thinking wonderful goal, but I immediately thought they're going to look back at this because he's rolling around a bit like the Mendy thing against West Ham. All oh, the players around nice. the ref. And it's just, you know, there's so many things that have been said, but just so many goals being cancelled out, moments we can't be enjoyed. VAR should be used when there's clear uh, clear and obvious error that of something the ref's not seen. The ref's staring directly at this. The ref even watches it back 20-odd times. You can tell he doesn't yeah. really want to overturn it. And we don't know yeah. what's being said in yeah, this Yeah, exactly. Ear. But obviously, in his ear, he's saying he's not got any of the ball. There's contact there between the players. Of course, there's contact. This is a contact sport. Yeah. Is there a foul? No, there's not a foul. He's just used his body and, and dispossessed him. Yeah, he's not got contacts on the ball, but Tillemans does more um, more forceful contacts in an earlier game against Brighton and they score. It's not looked at, you know, I don't want to be all conspiracy, but I'm certain if United score the exact same goal, they don't ever look at this. No, and it, we no. just kick off again. I'm I, I, I also think that if that happened to Lukonga in that position, I'd be saying that's probably a foul, but you also have to be so much stronger. stronger. And, and so would Roy King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the touch was really bad by Ericsson. He's been punished by being bad on the pitch in that moment, right? He hasn't been particularly punished by the foul he's been punished by like a bad touch being really weak because Mm. let's be honest he's like 70 kilograms he's been bumped by Odegaard he's probably like not even 10 stone and the problem is if you've played the game you would know you don't really fall over there And, and 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 that is the thing that like I really think a lot of these referees either haven't played football at any decent level or haven't played football in a long time or maybe don't even play football themselves at the moment, which I'd be surprised if they do because they get injured, mm. they can't do their job. But I just, I can't believe that, I can't believe that it went to VAR. Mm. Like, I, I think it should get reviewed by VAR, but 
that he shouldn't be getting sent to the monitor. He should be saying, is there a clear and obvious foul there that you've missed? Like, yeah. you know, something horrendous, stamped down his calf or something. Yeah, yeah. The most annoying thing is, like, Odegaard is getting his body side on to Ericsson. It's not from behind. He's not kicked him. He's not tripped him. His knee doesn't go into his thigh. They, It's a bump. It's a coming together in the middle of the pitch. And do you know what? Like, I'm really annoyed because I think that if, for example, if Saka delays that pass and it goes to Martinelli's feet and then he cuts in, plays it back to Odegaard and then Odegaard mm. goes back out wide to Saka and then he puts it in, they don't go back to it because it's too many passes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand because, like, the one thing I'll say about VAR is I'm definitely in favour of it. But how many fouls were there by Martinez on Varane or Varane on Jesus or even the other way around, like Jesus bumping into Varane or Martinez and they don't get called and they don't lead to goals and no one says anything about them. Mm. But because this specific foul or some so-called foul leads to a goal, it needs to be reviewed. That doesn't make sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, And where do you draw the line in the build-up? Because it it used to be sort of an unwritten rule that if the ball kind of went backwards to carry on, this ball did go backwards before Saka put it forwards and it's on the halfway line. I know it's ridiculous. It's quite quick, but where do you draw the line? But I I don't know. I I tweeted something about kind of in a low scoring game, it's important decisions that are made that sway the scoring are as accurate as humanly possible. Right. Um, I don't think we should be removing VAR. But I do think the threshold as to what is reviewed on field needs to go up a lot. Mm. I think there should be timers on offside. I saw the McAllister thing where he's offside by like an inch and it comes out, he scores the goal of his life and it gets ruled off. Like I'd be fuming if I'm a Brighton fan, but also fuming if I'm McAllister. Like you've literally just robbed me of the best goal of my career. If they apparently took them four and a half minutes to rule that out, just like if Mm. it takes longer than 30 seconds, for an offside decision, stay with the on-field decision, right? Because if it's because honestly, if it takes you longer than thirty seconds, it's it's like the, a human can't really tell whether he's clearly offside or onside. Like there was some debate about like the Rashford one against Liverpool, whether he's off. Like there was R one against Bournemouth with Jesus. There was um, was it Ishak against uh, Liverpool? Like he doesn't have an advantage. The strike doesn't have an advantage if he's like an inch offside. And if you can't tell within thirty seconds, just go with the on-field decision, whether it's offside or onside. Just go with it, right? Don't mm. care um, unless it's like like it's just mental. And and same with the fouls. Like I honestly, if Paul Tierney has to look at that foul forty times and then conclude, yeah, it's probably a foul. That probably is the issue that I think Arsenal fans have with. Like, it could be a foul. That action happens ten times. Maybe six times it's called a foul. Maybe four times it's not. You just can't overall that. And it's it's a shame because I think on another, like, honestly, on another day, either through that decision or through the overall game, we're talking about an Arsenal 3-0, 3-1 here at Old Trafford and mm. how we're, you know, 6 the problem six, is, And it's, it's really, really annoying. Yeah. Clear and obvious error. When he's looking at that back, he clearly never thought Odegaard particularly touched the ball because he would have seen he didn't after one replay and made the decision quicker if that was his line as to whether it was a foul or not. So he knew that there was, you know, no ball involved. The bodies came together. He's then searching forensically to say, is this enough of a 
of a challenge to be considered a foul. And it's not. I mean, if you look at the players touch on the pitch all the time, if bodies touching is going to constitute a foul to rule out goals, it's just unbelievable. And what I'm really scared of with the game is we're losing it because for me, Ericsson takes a bad touch, falls to the ground, feeling contact because he can see what's about to happen. Yeah. And then Man United players immediately all around him. He's probably still on the floor pretending to cry. Exactly the same thing happened with Mendy for that West Ham one. Absolutely bonkers. He messes it up, um, spills the ball, can see it's going to be bad, feels a little bit of contact and starts rolling around immediately. You know, this this is why people who play the game should be involved because we've got to eradicate that because unfortunately we're going to have to start doing the same thing and then we just get into a position where we're not watching football. It's not the football we we know and love and it's just really sad that ultimately the way it's going, more and more goals are being ruled out, more and more special moments that, you know, I feel for our travelling fans who were celebrating that goal um, when it went in would have been an amazing moment for them all. And then it's just chalked off. Um, really sad. But let, let's move beyond that point because um, I think everyone's pretty much in uh, in unison. You could tell even Roy Keane didn't think it was a foul. But um, yeah, it goes from there. Unfortunately, Arsenal did then get on top. You know, we said about the sort of poor first 10 minutes or so. Um, we did then start to take control of the game, whether we felt a bit of confidence from that chance or just sort of felt that, you know, this their team were there to be gone at. But we started to dictate the ball. Um, unfortunately, though, the next the ma- major incident is, of course, the Manchester United goal where a few errors, Pat, um, I don't know where you're pointing the finger at, but obviously Gabriel is a little bit out of position, dives in. He's got to kind of at least foul the player or or win the ball, of course. Um, that sort of breaks our shape a bit. Sinchenko's trying to be in two places at once. And then Anthony has quite a straightforward finish, although I think Ramsdale doesn't cover himself in glory in, in trying to make that difficult either. Where do Does you... he think he's right-footed? Like... <laughs> I know. I um, did think that. I... I don't know what he's doing with that one, to be honest with you. Um, mm. I thought his distribution on the day was unreal, by the way. Like, it was so, so good. Yeah, very good. Um, but one pass. But yeah, but what that one pass where I don't even think Sinchenko should just try and show for that. But mm. and yeah, he did I, make up for that. With, with a he did save. really good save, yeah. Um, so, so what I'd say about this goal is, first of all, I don't know why Lukonga is this high. Um and I've I've looked at it a few times, and, and maybe the, the replays that just show it from when Ericsson gets the ball is a bit unfair because he's actually quite high up the pitch with the team. But I think two things. So I think the defence should be a bit higher initially when we have the ball up the pitch. And two, Lukonga just... I, I really like him as a player, but I've said for a while now, I just don't see this guy ever having the physicality to impose himself but also the the tactical awareness the defensive awareness to sniff out danger like i said it to a friend the other day like if you watch a number six like the really good ones right the rodries the you know party when he's playing and so on and so forth as soon as their team loses the ball they're on the move immediately they're trying to predict where the ball's going to go. They're shuffling to try and defend the space. Like even what Xhaka do it when he's playing in a double pivot. But I think Lukonga reacts maybe 
two to three seconds late every time the ball is lost for Arsenal. And it's really frustrating to see. I hope he learns it and it becomes the heir apparent to Thomas Partey. Currently, I think there's a long way to go to be anywhere near that um, because defensively and off the ball, he's just nowhere near. Um, but after that action happens, Gabriel's decision to dive in is one of the craziest thing I saw all game. And I think if you go for that tackle, you have to take the man out, right? Mm. Stop the attack. I even think Lekonga can foul him before and take the tactical yellow card. But I don't know why Gabriel's there and decides he needs to engage because I just, it's crazy. And then like Zinchenko has to come in field to kind of help him. But even then I think Zinchenko's decision is wrong. Like just let, like if he beats Gabriel there or the defender there, and scores, you put your hand up. Like he gets around him and puts it top corner. Like put your hands up. Don't think Sjenko comes in. So I think it's three mistakes there, and then maybe four with the Ramsdale one. But again, it's kind of in the corner anyway. I don't think he saves it. If he saves it, we're talking about it being like a worldy save, right? Um, so that's how I looked at that one. Uh, mm. Three or four errors in a row. Probably the Gabriel one's the worst because you're thinking about our most experienced defender doing that. It's a bit, it's a bit frustrating. But look. We, we take the rough with the smooth with him, right? We know he's a really good defender. We know he scores five goals a season in the Premier League that gets you points, uh, dominant in the air, getting better on the ball. So, you know, we'll take those crazy moments like one every seven or eight games, won't we? Mm, mm. I think ultimately for all the United goals, they moved too quickly. Um, you know, they did things very... To, to their credit, very uh, you know efficiently in in those transition really moments, yeah. they were very precise and accurate with the passes, um, and did it really quickly. You know, I'm not sure if it's the second or third goal, but the ball comes into Ericsson, um, and Erdegaard is just a few steps behind him to to get there. Ericsson plays it first time, I think, to Bruno, and then Bruno puts him through. It's just we were just a bit slow in those moments. Um, and credit to them for identifying that about us, um, to be fair to them. But it's something we've definitely got to learn. Um, we said at the start of the season, this team, for all the talent, is young and there's going to be lots of learning moments in it. And I think today was a big one for sure. Um, our shape, which has been very good defensively, so often definitely got broken um, in this game. So... We've got to learn, and the manager and players have shown their ability to do so. On Lukonga, I think on the ball, one of the best games I've actually seen him have, because I think in intimidating atmospheres previously, he's had some real shockers on the ball. Mm. Um, so I think there's lots of positives to take from that. The negative is off the ball, uh, as you said, whether, you know, it's a very difficult ask for anyone to play sort of lone six, um, lone defensive midfielder, especially away against uh, Old Trafford, um, especially for a player who doesn't look particularly natural there. For me, this game just showed that he is more of an eight still than a six. And as you say, maybe he can learn it. But unfortunately, you know, we we did a deadline day um, reaction podcast. So go and have a listen to that if you haven't already. But we thought it could cost us sort of not having someone more natural in that position with the news of Elneny's injury. And I think yesterday was a day for, you know, Partey ideally, but even Elneny potentially just to plug yeah. those gaps and 
um, break those transition moments, I think. And, and then and they actually, would have sniffed out a couple of them. One of the things a few people noticed was Xhaka getting into the box less. Mm. And I think you can only point to the fact that he's been basically asked to babysit the Congo a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that Zinchenko playing also was indicative of like us being a bit scared of Lokonga having too much of the ball um, because obviously Zinchenko gets so many touches. So I, I think that although people are like, oh, El Nani's crap and blah, 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 like I don't think he's great off the ball either, El Nani, but like I think he still has that defensive awareness to at least be shuttling and, and, and shielding the defence a little bit better than Lokonga. And it's a game allows. for him, right? I think like Lokonga at home to Villa. Fine, um, you can fine. probably get away with it, but and away he'll, be against fine. Old he'll be fine against Everton as well, I'm sure. And mm. because I think even if Party's back, I don't think he'll be risked. I mean, um, El had the game of his life, didn't he? Alongside Party at Old Trafford when we yeah. won with no fans there a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, there you go. I think I, I know there's a lot of debate about Lukonga like clearly being an eight, but I was saying to a friend as well, like, does he have the engine? the physicality that Xhaka has to play that kind of box-to-box role? Does he have the technique or attacking and passing prowess that Odegaard has to play that, like, right-sided role? Again, I'm quite high on Lukonga in his potential. I think he's a really good player. I just start to wonder, like, as this squad takes shape and the fact that we were looking for another six and we were interested in Tielemans, who's a maybe more eight than six rather than Luiz's, more six than eight. We're looking at the Danilo guy who's six and eight. I know we want options there, but I just, I think there's something about Sambi positionally, profile wise, physicality wise, and maybe even personality wise. We've seen he's like quite timid and shy. And, you know, there's that scene with Eddie where Eddie's like, you're not the only fucking one not playing, blah, blah, blah. You're I determined just, we're going to sell the Congo, aren't you? No, I'm not, I'm not determined we're going to sell him. I just, sometimes it doesn't work out right like all the signings we made that window mm. either have the potential to work out or have worked out right even Nuno Tavares who people will say didn't work out looks like a 25 million pound asset out on loan at Marseille so it's de facto a good signing I I just have this feeling that unless he improves in that six role he doesn't have enough in the eight role to make it in this team. Maybe I, I'm being unfair. Yeah, I think look, we're 5th of September. We're, we're the furthest from a transfer window you ever get. So, you know, he's only ultimately playing six because Elnene and Partey are injured. Let's remember that. He didn't play a minute there in pre-season. So yeah. it did appear that the, yeah. the club started to view him as an eight. And he was getting off the bench for Erdegaard um, in games we were winning, you know, having, all right, a couple of little cameos before this happened. So, he has been thrust back into a position they seem to have moved him away from. Um, and that's because of a double injury to one area. So I think, you know, some sympathy for him there. I do think he could potentially do Xhaka's role. But ultimately for him, it's a shame the injuries have happened to Elnani and Partey because this was the season we wanted him, him and the club to decide what his position was and really grow in that. And I think he's done some work off the pitch on his body. I think he's looking stronger. I think mentally he looks more confident on the ball. 
as I say, in, in some away games, he's really collapsed last season um, and he didn't yesterday. It's just that position, positional stuff. And, you know, if all pre-season he's been training to be an eight and Jack is understudy perhaps, and then he's back into this position, you can maybe understand why that looks a bit rusty. So let, let's hope, you know, there's rumours party will be back for the Everton game. Um, you know, we know with party could then be off again, but we really need to hope that I think party's back for the majority and then let's see what happens with him. But I think for all the goals, you know, none of them are exclusively on the Congo and even some players who've been brilliant this season, positionally, you know, White playing them on side, um, Saliba perhaps standing the wrong way on one of them. You know, there's other players we can point out as well, but Let's go to the next main action in the game, um, which was just at the start of the second half, which I'm just watching it back now, Pat. They probably would have disallowed this as well because it's a throw-in from uh, White, I believe, and Jesus sort of comes wide to challenge Lissandro Martinez. And the bodies will touch, so they probably would have tried to rule it out. Um, but ultimately, uh, Jesus sort of body checks him and lets the ball run. Really, you know, on Jesus, magnificent um, yesterday, wasn't he, Pat? That, that physicality. And it's such a shame for him that he couldn't be on the winning side and that he didn't really get a goal. Um, but so, so good. And here he comes wide, picks out the perfect pass. Odegaard's made a good run, good positionally, but the finish really, really poor. And I'm just mm. watching it back in slow-mo now. De Gea's right on his right post, so... He's got a lot of the goal to aim at there. Um, and that's a big, big chance, I would say, missed at 1-0 down. Erdegaard's had a few goals in the last couple of games, but his, his finishing still needs a bit of work, doesn't it, Pat? I don't know if it's the finishing. I think it's the uh, like self-belief because mm. he's technically sublime, right? He's a you know, we saw it with the Everton last game of the season where he just strokes it into the bottom of the net, uh, bottom corner. He's, he's mm. obviously very, very technically good. I think it's just the belief and the, the muscle memory, right? Of like, we saw it with Aaron Ramsey, right? Where he wasn't too clean in his finishing or shooting, but it just became like a habit and an instinct and a like muscle memory type thing. And I was kind of hoping that after the Bournemouth game, that was Odegaard's kind of Ramsey moment. But I I, I think he's going to score goals this season. He gets in so many good positions, just mm. needs to shoot more and just needs to be more confident in those shots. I actually think he was pretty good in the game. Like the pass he plays for the goal we score is just out of this world, isn't it? Like the, the kind of angle he creates with the, the quick feet and then the outside of the boot to Jesus. I, w- I wish it was Jesus that puts that away and um, it's an Odegaard assist, but... It mm. the goal anyway. I I thought he was pretty good, and I thought he was good at Old Trafford last season. Apart from giving away the penalty away, I think there's this thing around Odegaard about him being not good in big games. But every big game we won last season, he was good in. Um, and I know there was some, uh, there was some that he wasn't good in. But I think that was like the team not being good as well as him not being good, rather than an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that. That was a big moment, and he should have he should have put that away. Really, should have yeah. scored. I wouldn't say he had a good game. I wouldn't say he had a particularly bad game. Um, I think, as you say, he, he played some key passes. 
was, was looked like he could make something happen when he was on the ball. I don't think he got on the ball enough um, and probably didn't knit it together enough. And just looking, he only had 67% pass accuracy. So especially when we were really controlling the game, you'd like to see him. Was that because we had a lot of the ball in the final third and he was often the guy responsible for making the killer pass? Like, I think there was a few balls he played that Maybe, were like but in and around the box. Yeah, I mean, as captain of the team, should you be controlling the tempo and, and trying to, you know, create domination in the opposition half at that point, maybe rather than looking for the killer pass? I mean, he only made 27 passes in the whole game. Um, so I just think he can be more involved, and especially when we were on top. And ultimately, that's a big chance that we've just looked at. Um I know he's a young player, but ultimately in that front four, other than Jesus, he's he's the oldest there and he's now the captain. So to win at Old Trafford, you know, they might not be the team they were, but you've still got to take these type of chances for sure. Um, so I think that was that was a big moment in the game. Who knows again, just like with the disallowed goal, what would have happened had that gone in? Um, but look, a positive is we created that chance. That's what, what the players have got to look at. They did create that and some other good chances in the game. Um, just watching back the end of the chance, Saka almost scores as well from the same move. I mean, it's almost a ridiculous goal, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you're talking about a goal of the season. The ball runs to Martinelli after Erdegaard's poor shot. He's then hooked back in. Saka with incredible touch. Amazing turn. Malassia absolutely miles away. There was a stat that came out to say Malassia wasn't dribbled past. Well, <laughs> I didn't even remember this one. I remember him dribbling past him several times, but this has got to count as dribble past as well because he's on the ball and takes it round him effectively. And that wasn't even given as a corner. It does look, just watching it back in slow motion. Mm, it's probably still going wide, but there is a deflection off Lissando there to take it further away from the goal as well. Yeah. That could yeah, have gone yeah. anywhere. No, no. I knew there was a deflection straight away just because of the def- uh, treachery of the ball and it never never even got given a corner, did it? So, mm. uh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, quite soon after, Erdegaard, as you talked about, receives the ball in the middle. He's doing some nice stuff this season with um, his feet. Is a, there was the goal against Fulham. Was it the Fulham equaliser where he sort of did that fancy footwork and then fired the ball in, deflected off. For this, he almost fakes to put the through ball with his left foot and then shuffles it onto his right, which obviously is weaker foot. And despite being his weaker foot, perfectly timed ball through to Jesus, who's in a sort of wrestling match there with Varane. Mm. Varane does do well, to be fair to him, but pokes it straight to Saka, who's put himself in a great position. Not the most convincing finish from Saka, but um, it finds its way in, which is very important. I think, you know, Saka had a really good game in general. Um, so I would have really felt for him if after the miss against uh, Villa, he he sort of hit this straight into the Sandro. But to be fair, I've just paused it. There's, there's still Varane blocking some of the goal. Lissandro is blocking quite a bit of the goal as well. So... It's not a, a simple tap in here. He has no. to pick a spot. So maybe he he's purposely kept it low and, and sort of tried to get it through legs there. Yeah, I, I think you've just got a. I I think he's probably aiming for the bottom right 
part of the goal. But mm. I mean, if it goes in, it goes in, right? Mm. I think it's it's a really well worked goal. I'll ask you the question: like <sighs> that point in time, one one happens, and we've made quite a few chances in that second half already. Do you then just feel? Because I felt this right at the time. 1-1, one, one, they're there for the taking. Let's beat these 2-3-4-1 because they're awful. Did, was that kind of your feeling? Or did you think, all right, let's kind of go to what we were looking at in the first half. We were a bit like, let them come to, onto us and be a bit more defensively robust. Like, what was your instinct at that point? My instinct, having been behind for so long, when we have only been behind for about seven minutes before this game this season, was... I thought back to the start of the game where I said I'd take a point um, and I would obviously now I've taken a point and I would have before the game I've said all week I would have taken a point no matter how good or bad United are I think on the back of five wins going to Old Trafford when they're in a bit of form um, taking a point would have been good I felt like having dominated that second half what we should have done is just really take control of that ball and start to really demoralise United and the crowd and wear them down. Um, what we couldn't afford to do was have our shape broken so quickly, like it was um, almost immediately. So, so I felt know, like we were more you know, likely to win, but you know, it all unravelled so quickly. I didn't really have much time to feel anything because it was only a few minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, but like, do you do you think it's a worry that like we have? conceded I know we've scored fairly quickly after conceding a lot of the time do you think it's a worry in this game and the Leicester game conceding quite quickly after scoring like is there is there a kind of maybe a it's always a worry I think it happened a few times last season as well to be fair um definitely needs to be looked at uh just looking for the goal that we're we're talking about so the ball comes in to Ericsson, um, and it's the moment I sort of alluded to earlier, Erdegaard, I mean, it's harsh to say he's got a tackle in there, but you feel, you know, he's clearly Erdegaard's man there. There's no one else Erdegaard should be close to. He plays it on to Bruno. Bruno's got, is that Zinchenko tucked in? It is, it is Zinchenko. Zinchenko again is, Zinchenko. is a foot behind. And then it's a perfectly weighted ball. Um, I just paused it. Saliba and White, you know, they're not trying to play Rashford offside there. Um, they're both deciding to run with him. Unfortunately, Saliba, he obviously feels that he can cut the pass out. So he mm. decides to, to stop running with um, Rashford and try and cut the ball out. He's very close, but he doesn't. And then he changed his mind obviously, and, and starts chasing. If he commits to chasing Rashford, you know, we've seen Saliba chase back Mbappe. I feel like there's there's a chance he gets back there. Still a bit unfortunate because Rashford's first touch isn't brilliant, slows him down a bit. Um, and Ben White does amazingly, really, to get across. Looking back so at the replay, I think it's going wide if he doesn't touch it. He's so unlucky. And actually, there was a lot of people saying that Ramsdale does weirdly on this, but like, it's a really tough goal to score from theirs. From Especially because White, I guess he feels White may be covering that side by sliding in. 
So as Rashford runs through, White's almost covering that right side. And I mean, he almost does, but it deflects down. Um, so he Ramsdale could have read the situation and thought, thought Rashford can see White's there. He's not going to shoot that side. You know, it's almost read perfectly because I think I think it's going wide, looking back at the replays before White touches it. But look, we, there's errors before that um, that we've talked about. We'll brush on to the third goal, but we've kind of talked about what's happened. Um, before that, actually, what did you make on the subs? Lots of talk about the subs. So Arteta, I would say, in general, has been much more reserved than that particularly if you're only one goal down, with a fair amount of time left. And remember, Arsenal were playing the better football. Um, but we did switch to our 3-5-2, which has kind of been our go-to when we're behind. He handed Vieira a debut, um, and I think he did very well on his cameo, but interesting that he decided now was the moment. Uh, Smith Rowan and Ketia came on as well. So we went to a 3-5-2, Obviously, Man United had pace out wide. It's an interesting move to make to sort of push uh, Martinelli and Saka to wing backs. Essentially, what what did you think? Was it too early, or do you, do you like that bravery? No, I think it should have just been Eddie and Ketty on. Mm. Um, if that actually, it might have been. It might have been a game where you don't make any subs. Sometimes you see Pep do that, where he just he sees it's working and he doesn't want to change anything. Mm. And maybe, maybe Arteta gets this one wrong by being too reactive. I think we really had them. We really had them. And the three subs, I think, completely distorted the shape. But again, a lot of people have made the point that Zinchenko and Odegaard were doubts for this game anyway. So maybe, maybe it was the right move. But for me, if you could, like from a kind of fitness perspective, only get Nketiah on for... Probably Lukonga, right? You probably just move Xhaka in fields um, and go to like a... Yeah, you, you maybe go Odegaard a bit deeper or, so, or maybe if it's just the 3-5-2 and Martinelli and Saka win backs with Nketiah and Odegaard and um, whoever and then you take Zinchenko off. I think mm. that was the move for me, not the, not the triple sub because although I thought Vieira bright, I think objectively it's pretty crazy to give his first Premier League minutes away at Old Trafford. I was stunned that he was bringing them on. I thought if you're not bringing them on to change games at home against Fulham and Villa, he, in my head, he wasn't using him till the Europa League. And that was kind of just planned unless he absolutely needed to. Um, But, you know, I don't think he's the reason at all. Um, Things went wrong. He's probably the best of the substitutes, but yeah, it was, it was odd Um, for me. And, you know, it's a benefit of hindsight. I'm sure if Arteta could have a 20-minute timeout and think of things through and really think about what's just happened. We've just been done on the counter, but we've been the best team by far since the 10th minute. I don't think he makes as radical changes. Um, for me, I was sort of caught... I think Ben White had a good game, but I was calling for Tomiyasu at that point for White, just for fresh legs, because White had been running up and down that wing... Yeah. He was a slight doubt as well, reportedly. He's just sprinted back to to try and stop that Rashford goal. Um, we've got Tomiyasu, who's equally as good, pretty much um, fresh on the bench. I just felt like bring some fresh legs on there. We can have a new overlap option for 
for Saka as well. We like to get forward a little bit more. And then I probably would have had Smith Rowe or Vieira, to be honest, for Lokonga and played Xhaka and just told Xhaka to sit as a six. I know that's not potentially strongest, but I think United would have just dropped off and we could have had um, Xhaka sitting in the six or or keep Lokonga and, and Xhaka off. I think keep the same shape, but just make those two changes for me. And then I would have brought on Eddie a little bit later. I didn't think any of the front three deserved to come off and I wouldn't have changed they the all shape. had the beating of their their yeah. opposite counterparts right like those stats about Malassia are hilarious because yeah. he was just, it looked like he was an under I was saying it at the time of the game to I watched it with weirdly a friend's dad's 70th and there was mm. a guy there who who was from Manchester and a United fan and I said to him I was like win lose or draw you guys one look terrible but two a defensive Lissandro who's 5-8 and Malassia is 5-4 both on that left side it's just going to get gobbled alive for this league and we well, it annoyed me a bit that Saka didn't um, do it more or the team didn't get it to yeah. Saka to do it yeah, more yeah, because yeah. he had him on toast after a few minutes and you thought he's going to get him either sent off or we're going to get a goal through here especially after Lissandro had to smash Jesus and somehow not get a yellow card early mental, on mental I just felt like between Jesus and Saka, we could have targeted, and, and Erdegaard in the build-up, could have targeted that channel more in the game. And I think when they look at it back, they'll definitely feel that way as well. But just looking at this third goal then, we'll, we'll get through quickly. Obviously, the team now has... Perhaps the team don't really know where they all are as well. You know, there's new players in the mix. Ronaldo's got the ball. There's one, two, three, four... Five, six players around Ronaldo and I'm not sure. Oh, it's Bruno. So Arsenal have got six players between Ronaldo and Bruno. Um, Bruno plays a brilliant pass, to be fair to him. I don't think he's been great in 2022, but it's probably one of his best games. Yeah. He's um, been pretty decent this season so far, to be honest with you. Yeah. Unfortunately, because he's just a twat, isn't he? So Gabriel has gone right out to left back because we haven't got the left back now. So this is perhaps a victim of of that shape. Saliba, even though Gabriel's right over there, I'm not sure where he's going. I don't know if he's tracking. Um, there's a United player offside, looks like Fred stood offside. Maybe he's trying to follow him, but not sure why he'd do that. And that leaves White with Rashford and Ericsson. And this is a really, really poor from Arsenal. I think it's partly due to substitutions and the shape, yeah. but it's one that they'll be really ashamed of all the players and analysts to to see us in this position. If you freeze frame when Bruno makes that pass, it's it's pretty poor. We've got six players around him. Six of our 10 outfield are in that tiny little circle and not affecting the situation. And when Ericsson is breaking through your high line, I mean, that, that says it all really. Yeah. And again, Paul Ben White, he's the one there scrambling to get Nearly back and try and stop. Well. Yeah, try and stop two players, dives in. Very close. Yeah, just just free framed it when um Rashford touched it. He's very close to intercepting. Um I thought he would he was getting there in real time actually when I was watching it. Yeah. Which is pretty nuts. Yeah, so you know, lots of lessons to learn from that goal. And and I think Saliba on the ball is excellent as always, but I think for both of those goals on the break, he 
he has some learning points for sure um, to tackle ahead of some some other games that teams are now inevitably they're going to look at this as a bit of a blueprint on how to beat Arsenal's possession-based team in transition. Um, I, I I know there was a bit of chat about that we're on the Arscast by um, James about how like they hope they learn, but like. Isn't this just like what the big teams do? I was tra- I was having this debate because someone was like, "It is," but that third started, goal blah, blah. particularly, you know, yeah, 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 it's I, horrendous. I, I, I definitely get it. It's really bad. Um, but the game's broken completely. Like, there's no tactical discipline anymore. Blah blah. blah. Um, and and that is what Arteta said. We lost because of lack of discipline, which I think is is partially true. But if you look at Liverpool, City, PSG, Bayern any possession-based elite team, the way to beat them isn't by having the possession and trying to like outplay them. It's by trying to be lucky and play on transition. That's why no team that plays in transition football wins any league titles anymore because the possession-based teams are too good. Like, I, I, like you know what I mean? Like, there is mm. not going to be a team in the Premier League while Pep's here and Klopp's here that wins on the break. Like the style of football that United have employed is not going to win. It could win cup games for sure, right? I don't think it's their long-term no, vision though. I not. think this is Ten Hag's first six-month job. He's, he's had to be pragmatic, right? He tried it in the first couple of games, possession-based, Dalot inverted and stuff like that. Never was going to work. And he luckily became pragmatic pretty quickly. For them anyway, not for us. Um but I just, yeah, I, I think this is just going to happen. Like you saw with City, they outplayed Villa, won an XG, should have scored two or three, but they get one break and they score. And sometimes that's what happens with football. That's why everyone says, you know, Spurs have got City's number. It's not because Spurs outplay them. It's because they lose on the underlyings, but hope that they've got the, the firepower and the elite finishers, with it, which they do to win on the counter and in transition. And I think you're, you're going to lose the odd game playing like this. Like we could beat Everton 4-0 and then lose to Brentford 2-1 and create enough chances to score four or five goals in that game. Like this mm. could happen in this league, the way that we're playing and the way we want to play. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think any away game against a, a well-coached side like a Brentford and a Brighton is going to be a real test for this team because they will work hard to find the holes um, that you've just talked about so we have got to learn to deal with it and and not lose every game but let's finish on some positives then because I think you know this maybe not our best performance at Old Trafford in a long time but it's up there I mean we we definitely had more and you know, we've people say, yeah, but United aren't as good anymore. They haven't been good for eight years. You know, we've <laughs> yeah. still played worse than this pretty much every time, apart from that time we won with no fans, which doesn't really count as an away game because the the league was. We lost. We lost last season then. when they, you know, when they had their worst ever. And we went ahead in that game twice, yeah. didn't we? I think. Uh, no, we. Or equalised twice. We equalised twice. Yeah, and Erdegaard. Gave away a penalty, didn't he? Yeah. And then Ronaldo. And then we didn't get the penalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll always be up against it with decisions and, and crowd influence here. But 
you know, looking back at the highlights, United, they had chances after two and three, one to, to make it more embarrassing for us. But in, in the general sort of game before the structure was broken, Arsenal didn't have tons of chances, but we definitely had the clearer chances and we had more control. Yeah. On another day, we can take these chances, but we can't keep saying that, you know, and we can't keep saying these players are young. We do need to learn to be more clinical if we want to be, you know, there's six teams spending 200 million in the summer. Yeah. If we want to be in the top four of those, these are professional athletes. They've got to be, you know, finishing their chances and making the most of it. But on the positive front, we've seen so many Arsenal players come to Old Trafford and hide and lose every duel and their first touches run away from them. You know, I'm thinking of real senior players and former captains like Aubameyang. Um, Party who had an absolute mare as well there last last um Maybe last, last year. He played very well without the fans. Yeah, but you the know there's before, yeah. there's been, you know, going back in the past, we've had some top players come here and, and not show up and really be swallowed by the crowd. And I think Saka and Martinelli in particular and Jesus that front three had a such a good game in the duels and they really showed for the ball and they didn't hide. And that's so promising. You know, Jesus, what, he's 25, but Saka yeah. and Martinelli, both 20, 21. So it's such good signs for our future. Let's hope, I think the club could do with after getting nothing done on transfer deadline day and losing this game, we could really do with Saliba, Saka contracts, Let's hope that's wrapped up because yeah, there was moments for Saliba that he's got to work on. But again, I think he had 15 or 16 more passes than any other Arsenal player in this game. Yeah, I think he only had two misplaced or something like that. 56 from 58 passes and the next was about 30-something. So, you know, and he's 20. We can keep this group together. There's positive signs from this game and they're only going to grow over the next five years or so. So there's a lot to be confident about. Um, compared to previous times we've been to the stadium and on another day we definitely could win this game I even think our home game against United last year um, I know we won it 3-1 but we were a bit fortunate that day I would say that was probably as even as this game if if not perhaps more United so you know sometimes these things happen you can't win them all we are still top of the league we got Everton on Sunday before that, we've got a trip to to Zurich. And just want your quick opinion on this, Pat, before we close. Um, obviously, we talked about a lot of the good youth players have gone on loan or been sold. Haven't got much depth in the team. Smith Rowe looked like he had an issue after the game as well, reportedly, from David Ornstein. It's looking like, even at this early stage, two or three players that started the game at Old Trafford may need to start at Zurich. Um, how will you, how do you feel about that? Or would you go as extreme as, you know, Matt Smith starting games or would you keep playing this? Cause someone raised a good point, you know, why are we so obsessed with not them not playing any minutes? If we were in the Champions League, most of them would be playing two, two games a week, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, I think that was Tim Stillman's tweet, wasn't it? Um, mm. I think we'll see quite a heavy rotation in some parts, like, would you would you say Ramsdale plays? I think he'll play. I think mm. Ramsdale will play. Um, 
he's never maybe played in he before. wants Turner in a but he's never played in Europe home Europe game instead yeah he's maybe. never played in Europe before I I would think that he's basically saying I know you've got a keeper in but I really want to play the European games and look mm. the Europa League is a big deal for Arsenal we can make Champions League that way and it's a big trophy um, yeah I think Ramsdale will play I think you think Tomiyasu gets a start. I think you think Tierney gets a start. I think you'd, you know, <sighs> does Cedric play and Tomiyasu play left centre back with holding? Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that because obviously we've let Marie go, not replaced him. Yeah. We don't have a backup um, left centre back in the squad. So I think it would be quite good to see Tomiyasu with some minutes there um, because, you know, Gabriel obviously could get an injury. Not sure what the plan would be to slide White across or Tommy Asu's got the next strongest left foot. You know, he's a very two-footed player and did play quite a lot left centre back for his White needs a, I think Ben White needs a break, doesn't he? Mm. Like um I think Saliba plays ahead of him. Um Well you wouldn't go Tommy holding. Oh, I, I would. That, that's what that's what I think. But mm. if he doesn't want to play Cedric, then I think he p- probably wants to play Saliba. And I think, uh, I think, I think has got to play just because mm. he's not had that many minutes over the last twelve months, and he came off the bench a lot in preseason, didn't he? So he's not not got a lot of minute load on him. Um, and then Vieira definitely plays. I think. If you're ever going to give Marquinhos minutes, it's it's in this game against Zurich. Mm. Eddie definitely plays. And then I guess the last two spots, um, Jacques's usual role and, and the left wing spot are up for debate, depending on, on fitness. I mean, if Enketia starts, then Marquinhos has to start because if Enketia starts number nine, you can't start Saka and Martinelli. And with Vieira playing in midfield, you haven't got any other wingers. You know, that's how thin it is. And and going back to Tim's tweet whilst whilst I raised it and don't necessarily disagree, I think the issue is you do that if you're in the Champions League, but you probably have much more depth than we have. Yeah, like City can go and play Mares against Spurs on the weekend, right? And they won't miss a beat. Mm. So it's a bit yeah, The fear of injury is a lot lower in a, in a normal yeah. depth squad. So yeah, you can keep playing your strongest team until something happens. Yeah. So who who would you play in that Shaka? I think Shaka will probably play. Going back to Switzerland, blah blah blah. I think he'll probably play. Yeah, I tweeted the lineup this morning, um, which I wouldn't mind seeing in this game, which had Tierney, Tomiyasu holding Cedric. Had Zinchenko at six, only if he's completely fine. Um, you know, we it's really difficult talking lineups for rotation when we have no data. Obviously he had an issue. I wouldn't mind seeing him 45, 60 minutes in there and giving I'd, Lundqvist I'd be shocked. Conga. I'd, I'd be shocked if he plays, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that said, he's he's not um, injured, obviously. Otherwise, Lukonga. And then, yeah, it probably has to be Xhaka because I'd rather Xhaka plays than Erdegaard. So Lukonga, Xhaka, Vieira. And then if smith is not injured, smith Marquinhos. Katia. Otherwise, I'd share the game between Saka and. I think Martin the Earth. other good the other good point to make is, and I maybe haven't considered this before, but like Vieira, Smithrow, and Katia, Laconga, Tierney, Tomiyasu, they haven't played a lot of football with some of these guys, right? Mm. 
like I think it's important that Vieira plays with some first teamers if yeah. we think he's going to be a first team option, right? There's no point having Vieira and a completely rotated eleven where he's not playing with any first team footballers and developing no relationships. That's why I think if you've got Laconga, Xhaka and Vieira, at least he's playing in a midfield three that could play in the Premier League, if that makes sense. Mm. And I thinking about that now, I do think maybe we will see like I wouldn't be surprised if one of Saliba or Gabriel starts. I wouldn't be like Ramsdale starts. Lakonga, Lakonga needs the minutes. Like you want to give these yeah. guys a platform. I even think he'll be stronger. Eleven to play to play with players they're going to play in big games. Yeah, I think he'll go stronger than the lineup I've just said. I'd like to see. Um, I think just history tells us that Arteta will. Um, I think one of Saka or Martinelli start for me. Just as long as you rest the the most knackered of those two, when you look at the data, don't start that one. Don't start Jesus. There's no point. I mean, Enkatis look really good anyway. Um, Erdegaard had a slight knock, and we've got Vieira. So as long as we don't do anything really silly with obvious players, and if Sinchenko's got any issue, obviously no points playing him. But yeah, it's important these players come in. It's important they get that match sharpness as well ready so that if there are injuries, their fits come in. You know, Tommy Asu's had loads of good 30 minutes, but it'd be nice to see him, even if it's at centre-back, just to get get 90 minutes under his belt. Um, So, yeah, I'm quite excited for the Europa League. You know, Arsenal are a good team to watch this season and the more games, the better for me. And it'll be nice for us to get back on winning Winning form, hopefully Zurich lost again at the weekend. We just had a look. So they're really Jesus. They're not having a great season. However, they're they're like joint bottom with Basel, who aren't oh, really? a bad team. So something's going on in in that Swiss league and something you know, in the Swiss Super League water. Yeah, they'll be um, they'll be well up for it. Obviously, it's a but are Basel game. in Europe these days? I thought young boys were the the kind of. I know young boys there. are like mid table as well. It's a bit all over the place when I had a look, but. Yeah, we should have the quality to overcome them. Let's just not do anything stupid. Hopefully the fitness team. It's all about the fitness team and and their data and making sure we don't get any injuries Um, because then it's a big game to try and bounce back at the Emirates on Sunday. I'll be there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are saying that that would be an easy game, but... They look all right now. I do think Lampard's probably... I'm not saying he's good, right? But Lampard is better than people are making out. Like, I think he's, he's started to understand their strengths and weaknesses, and yeah, he, you know, there's players in transition there that can hurt us. Awobi's looking like a, a very decent number eight in transition. Gordon's, we all laughed at his asking price, but he's quality he is scoring really good. quite a lot of really goals. Good. Um, and they've got our menace Mope now, haven't they? <laughs> he's got a little <laughs> he bit looked of terrible, didn't he? Against Liverpool, he missed about like four or five chances. Yeah, um, wouldn't be surprised if he scored. The Emirates, of course. I, I think that, you know, he did a good job at Derby, had a really difficult time at Chelsea with the transfer ban and like their squad is, is not as good as it is now and they're not like too much better. There's not like, obviously they won the Champions League with Tuchel, but they're not too much better league performance-wise. So, uh, I think yeah. they'll be well in the game. I, I do think... They're, they're defensively pretty solid this season as well. They've, they've got Tarkovsky and Cody, so they're not okay. going to be mugs i think a lot of, like i saw a lot of people saying oh we'll smash them maybe we will but i think 
they'll be they'll be harder to to beat than people think. Yeah, I think it could, you know, it could like any game could go in different directions. But if we start with a confidence that we've been playing with at home and try and get a couple of goals rather than one or none that we've managed to convert in recent recent games, then I think it could could be a comfortable afternoon if we make it that way. But it could be a very uncomfortable one as well. So. Let's see. Let's see how we go against Zurich at first. Um, let's hope Partey comes back. I don't think Nelson's going to be back for Europa League, but it doesn't sound like he'll be that far away, which would be useful just to take some minutes away from our wingers as well. So I think we'll leave it there. I think we've been going for quite a while. Um, lots to discuss. A frustrating afternoon, but hopefully we've discussed some positives as well. Um, and it's all learning. You never lose. You win or you learn. It's the quote, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Frustrating, mm. but let's uh, let's hope we can turn it back on Thursday. Not sure West Ham can really say that. Mm. Wouldn't <laughs> I? Uh, so I'm a. This is quite funny. My my housemate is a West Ham fan, and uh, we were watching the game. A girlfriend was sat next to me, and we were obviously streaming it. And my my housemate's like really into the game, and. I see on my phone flash up that they've gone two one down. So obviously, watch them concede. He's so annoyed, like throws his, you know, throws a jumper on the floor or whatever. I, goes, I hate people like you. I make if people watch games around my house on stream. No, no, but phones like, go into a basket. Yeah, no, no, but he's like he's on another sofa and he's like not even looking at me. Right, he's watching the TV. So okay. for all he knows, I'm just on my phone. Okay. And then he goes to the loo and I see on my phone flash up 2-2 and I'm like I shout it to my girlfriend I'm like oh my god they've just scored like we need to get him back in the room but we can't make it obvious <laughs> yeah. so like uh we just started like speaking loudly trying to make it like I don't know trying to get him back into the room he comes out to the bar out of the bathroom literally as West Ham are going back down the other way and he's still so pissed off and he's sitting there watching it unfold Cornet scores and he goes mad goes absolutely mad right like buzzing and it's just sad, you know. I want to laugh, but it's sad. Oh my it god, it sad. was just so like gutting. And obviously, like I celebrated as well because I'm thinking like Chelsea have just dropped points. Mm. Like I've got a bit of a soft spot. West Ham, like been to a few of their games. I just and then it gets gets ruled out. I just could not believe it. Like it was an absolute fast. And do you know what? I'm really happy that Moyes, Rice, Antonio all called out after the game because mm. it has to be right. Like I don't like if you get a fine, fair enough. But fuck me, like you know, I know Odegaard said it was really soft after the game, but we need. Like I said it to you, was it after the Brighton at home game where we got that crazy VAR goal ruled off? When do we feel? When are we ever going to feel like we got away with one? Yeah. Like, I'm sure the United fans thinking, Phew, you know what, fair enough, three good goals, but they could have had that first one and, and we got quite lucky because they played well. I just, like, when are we ever going to feel like that? Mm. I don't know what it is about Arsenal, but when just not getting that rub of the green and maybe it's not being clinical enough in the box and, you know, we think about the City game where <laughs> Martinelli hits the bar from like one yard out and it goes up the other end and Gabriel gets the red mm -hmm. card that maybe shouldn't be but I just I just want to feel like we've done one over a team and got a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty and scored an offside goal but it just never seems to happen for Arsenal mm -hmm. and by the way we've had some 
poor decisions in the other five games, but luckily yeah. we've won and not talked about it, but we could have had much more comfortable afternoons and Absolutely. not had injuries then as a result, et cetera. So yeah, hopefully, you know, there's been a lot of collective outroar um, this weekend. Hopefully, I don't know what they do, but it needs an over, overhaul. I mean, you look at the, the demographic of the referees for one and, and that says all you need to know. It's amazing that there's, something like 12 officials from Manchester and Liverpool and, and not one in London for a start. And they're all old white men, but hopefully yeah. it's all looked at and, you know, nothing's going to change this season. But I did have hope last note on that goal when he looks at, when he's looking at it for so long and, and there was one ref yesterday, uh, sorry, on Saturday, wasn't there? Who it's a didn't, penalty, yeah. didn't change it. And I thought, and Neville was saying it and I thought, yeah, he's going to stick with it. Fair play. And the problem is you don't hear what's going on. I can almost guarantee that the, the guy in his ear, whilst he's watching it, he shouldn't be saying anything. The guy can now, the ref is now watching it back and can see it. He should not be saying a word in his ear, but I can guarantee he's saying, oh, look, the legs brushed together. You must be disallowing this. You must not have seen that on first watch. Let me slow yeah. it down a bit more, you know. Let's try and keep goals unless there's a clear thing that's been missed um, because goals are really important and they're the joy in people's weekends. Um, we'd all rather concede one like that and score one like that than than have goals ruled out all the time. And that story of your West Ham um, roommate says it all, you know. Yeah. It's happening to... to Lots of teams and and the Brighton thing you mentioned earlier as well. McAllister, what a goal. Scandalous decision that, watching it back, he, he was, wasn't even really in the line of sight of the keeper. And I think that's ridiculous anyway. There's no chance he's stopping it. Mm. Three goals ruled out yesterday that changed games potentially at the weekend. Newcastle won as well. Was oh, that is goal. crazy, mate. What Done him for a foul after being fouled. <laughs> He no. literally gets shoved into the keeper. What's he meant to do? Four what's goals ruled out. Three of them changed the result of the game, almost certainly. Um, and f- four great moments taken away from people who scored it and thousands of fans watching. You know, it's got to change because I really, as much as I love football and I, I still watch it, it really does. Do you remember how well it was used at the Euros? Yeah. Yeah, like what that's what I mean. Happened? Well, we're a global league. Happened? We've got so much money. I do think should we not be buying in the best refs from around yes, the world for this? Absolutely, league? that is one part of the one hundred percent one part of the reason they don't get paid enough. So there is not. It's kind of like you know, civil servant and politicians. Like mm. some that, that some of them don't get paid enough. So obviously they're crap at their jobs. Like yeah. what do you expect? There's no smart <sighs> business entrepreneurs much, looking to be like much. politicians. Yeah. There's no there's no smart like sports people looking like to become a referee rather than a coach. Do you know what I mean? There's too much arrogance and, and boys club mentality oh, there as terrible. well. I mean Peter Walton on BT just I watched BT score for a little bit on Saturday, you know, as the goals go in. Um and all the former players are just clearly just hate Peter Walton and they get having a laugh at how he's gonna justify they basically say there's been a terrible ref decision. They say, let's bring in Peter Walton to try and justify <laughs> this one. And he always does. He's never yeah. disagreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like even the, was it the, um, 
was it the Van Dyke red card? Which actually, do you know what? I actually don't think is a red card. Like, I think it's quite orange. Like, if it goes either way, I mm. don't really care that much. But it should at least be looked at. But his thing was like, if it's the contact of the shin, should be a red. And it literally shows Van Dyke mm. fucking studded him on the shin. It was crazy. Like, oh. just say he's just unfortunately made a like contact with his leg it's not too much force he's turning away he's trying yeah. to block the player like there are other reasons why that's not red it's even like the explanation and like yeah. the you know this kind of talking about the rules in a way that shouldn't be done and it's just terrible i think overall yeah actually when i was listening to bt sports score it was the newcastle incident so i had his take on justifying why that was ruled out and i only saw it later on twitter or on match of the day and then i remembered that he justified that i couldn't believe it anyway we could have hours and hours talking about referees but let's let's move on let's think about the positives still top of the league arsenal lots of young players putting in brave positive performances they're only going to get better that's the exciting thing and we will only get better yeah hopefully i think i tweeted something about opposition schedules as well and i know ours is looking quite tough but they don't get easy anywhere else. Like a lot of people looking at um, our fixtures and thinking they might be tough. But Chelsea have got Fulham away, Liverpool at home, Palace away, uh, then Wolves at home, Villa away in the next five. So not easy. There's no games easy. No Liverpool easy. have got Wolves at home, Chelsea away, Brighton at home, Arsenal away, then City at home. And then Spurs have got City away, Leicester at home, Arsenal away, Brighton away, then Everton at home, and then United, who I just still really don't lay. I've got Palace away, Leeds at home, City away, Everton away, Newcastle at home, Spurs at home, then Chelsea away, which is a really nasty run. So, look, if we don't win another game, don't panic. Like, there are going to be teams that drop points all over the league table this season, Mm -hmm. and in the next five fixtures as well. It's far too early to, to almost even know who the main rivals are. You know, we didn't think United would potentially be. They still might not, but they might be suddenly. Maybe Chelsea drop away. They've looked poor after that Tottenham game. It's all about focusing on ourselves now. If we get enough points, you'll get there. You know, if we get high 70s, you're going to get there. And if we win Europa League, you're going to get to our goal as well. So let's focus on us. And there's enough reasons to be positive about us. We'll wrap it up there. I've been Ollie Price Bates at Ollie Price Bates on Twitter. You've been listening to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. You can find us at Fresh Arsenal Pod or Fresh Arsenal on other social channels. Please subscribe on whatever you're listening on. I've been joined once again by Pet at AFC Pet on Twitter. Go and give him a follow as he builds his Arsenal armory of Twitter fans. We'll see you next Monday after hopefully we've got two wins to talk about. Thank you very much. Podcast Network.